It's true what they say, finding a job is a full-time job. After all, as the hiring process becomes more global and as recruiters are constantly inundated with an influx of applications, on the other side of that equation are the candidates submitting those applications who grow weary as the days go by with no response. As with most things, processes change over time, but with some technical exceptions, the hiring process has mostly remained the same until now. Vivek Ravi Sankar felt called to address the pain points of hiring after speaking with a recruiter. I remember walking up to the recruiter one day and asking, hey, can you tell me how this whole recruiting process worked? He pulled out his MacBook and he had two folders, pass and fail. And he would look at a resume for 10, 15 seconds and determine like, you know, which folder it's actually going to go into. I was thinking, man, like you have way too much power in your hands. But I could also understand, empathize with him because like, hey, you're Amazon, you didn't have like a better way to do it either. So that sort of thing was a trigger point. This needs to be fixed. The fix came in the form of HackerRank, a platform that helps developers put skills over pedigree. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Vivek explains what that means and how it helps developers stand out from the crowd. Plus, he explains the dangers of utilizing AI throughout the hiring process and why distributed workforces are great for company diversity. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. Today we have the founder and CEO of HackerRank, Vivek Ravisankar. Vivek, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. All right, let's dive into it. What is HackerRank? HackerRank is a product that helps developers to showcase their skills and uh, get jobs um, based on skills. So it's a great product for developers. Yeah, that's what we do. So HackerRank, describe it a little bit more. So if I'm a developer and I want to showcase my ability to program full stack, front end, back end, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is my specialty is, how does HackerRank help me showcase my skill? Sure. So let's talk about like, you know, maybe the hiring process. So there are two personas involved. One is sort of on the company side and the other one is the candidate or the developer side. You know, typically what used to happen before was you'd, you'd look at a candidate's resume and then go ahead and say, okay, you know, this person went to the school, this is a GPA, and then like use that as a way to conduct your interviews or use that as a pretty important signal for your interview process. The way HackerRank works is we built a product that as a company, you could go ahead and create your own customized uh, challenges, whether that is for a front end or a full stack or a DevOps. And then developers who want to apply to your organization, instead of going ahead and like uploading the resume and doing the typical resume screen, can solve those challenges. And if they, if, if they, if they do pretty well, then they can continue with the interview process. And we also build a bunch of tools and products during the interview process as well uh, to make the whole hiring process based on skills over pedigree. All right, this is amazing. So if I'm, let's say, doing a cloud migration and I need to convert web my current on-prem applications so that they're cloud native and I have a problem, I put it up on HackerRank. That's what I want to hire. And someone, I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. 
but people can just volunteer to solve these problems to demonstrate their ability and skill to do the job I need done. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's maybe I'd say partially accurate. Like you could think about it in two ways. One is there are a set of applicants who are actually applying to your companies today. Yep. And you could create the challenge and use this as a way to understand their skills. And there are like probably a set of um, candidates, the rest of the world who are who do not know about your company and things who you can advertise on our developer community to say like, hey, I'm from this company and I'm looking to hire a site reliability engineer to go ahead and do it. And interested developers can go ahead, look at the challenge, solve and get connected. So is it, is this more like a social, because I'm trying to imagine it. Unfortunately, I haven't used HackerRank and I thought, you know, we could definitely dive in because I think it's a fascinating platform and product. And I think the better we describe it, the more our audience, you know, we have CIOs, CTOs that listen to this podcast. I mean, I'd love to let them visualize what this experience looks like. Is it like a social network where there's users or applicants that are constantly like, let's say, browsing and checking things out and they see they see challenges posted and they try to solve them? Is it is it like that? Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll just maybe like zooming out, I'll give you like an overview of the um, sort of the strategy or the product um, suite. Like, so our our strategy, which we, uh, we call it as developer lifecycle management, which is essentially like the name suggests, like building products that span across the lifecycle journey of a developer. We think about it in three phases. There is a pre-hire phase, there is a the hiring phase, and then there is the post-hire phase. So the pre-hire phase, like as a developer, you could come onto our site and prepare for jobs. So we have free challenges that, that are posted. Uh, we have one of the largest developer communities. We have 10 million registered developers over a million and a half come every quarter to go ahead and prepare for jobs and hone their skills and get better to do it. So it's a free developer community. Think about it in that way. Yeah. So that's the first phase. The hiring phase is when like, you know, whatever I was talking about, which is as a company, you could use our product to create customized challenges um, to understand the skills of applicants who are applying to your job. You can also post it on our community, like I mentioned, to, to attract developers. And we're also building tools that can span throughout your interview process as well. Like, uh, what happens after the screening? Like you want to like interact with a candidate in a pair programming, kind of like a, a whiteboard kind of a session online. So we're also starting to build tools on that. So that's sort of like the set of products uh, during the hiring phase. And then post-hire, which is like once you join the organization, you know, we want to have a view where developers can understand what skills I have right now, what, uh, how do I continue to upskill myself? And also the other side of the equation from a company side, you can get a better understanding of, okay, what skill set do I have internally? Uh, what are my gaps and how do I upskill the workforce uh, or augment it with external hiring and others? So now you, you can think about this whole uh, suite of products span across the entire lifecycle journey of a developer starting from preparing and applying for jobs to the hiring solution to the post-hire. And the common thread that connects all of these products is what we call as the developer skill platform. So every one of these products is based, the core atomic unit of this is a skill. Whether you're screening a candidate, whether you're preparing for a job, um, you know, whether, whether you're interviewing somebody, everything is based on skills or the notion of skill over pedigree, which obviously reduces your bias to make sure that you can actually build a very strong diversity. No, I love it. And I got to believe, so talk about the foundation of how you came up with this idea because your past experience, you know, you're working at Amazon as a software developer, and then you also co-founded a company, you know, called Interview Street. It was a while ago, but I want to hear what your experiences were like, 
you know, pre-hacker rank that gave you this idea that this is what was actually needed. I'm assuming at some point you felt like you weren't being put to the test well when you were looking for work, or maybe when you were a co-founder, you were not finding the skills you were looking for. I'd love to hear a little bit about what occurred that caused you to say hacker rank is a is a product or service that needs to happen. Sure. I think um, it definitely started when I was at Amazon and I used to do a lot of technical interviews. I remember walking up to the recruiter one day and asking, hey, can you tell me how this whole recruiting process worked? And um, he pulled out his uh, MacBook and he had two folders, pass and fail. <laughs> and he would look at a resume for 10, 15 seconds and determine like, you know, which folder it's actually going to go into. And I was thinking, man, like, you have way too much power in your hands uh, to, to determine like, you know, who gets an interview call with Amazon or not. But I could also understand, empathize with him because like, hey, you're Amazon, you get like, you know, hundreds of resumes. Like it's just- Too many applicants, yeah. It's just going to be very hard. You didn't have like a better way to do it either. So that sort of thing was a trigger point. Like, you know, I felt like, hey, this, this needs to be fixed. It doesn't feel right to do it. Um, so we actually got started with uh, an idea, which was the interview street that you're referring to, which is, hey, why don't we help developers prepare for their interviews like by providing them a mock interview service? So that's how the whole idea of Interview Street actually started, which is, let's say you have an interview with Google a couple of weeks from now, you can come onto our site and we'll try to connect you with an ex-Googler or even somebody who's working at Google to give you a, some kind of coaching and preparation for like, you know, how do you crack, uh, quote unquote, crack a Google interview. This, we ran into a lot of problems in terms of scale, in terms of the efficiency, the margins were very, very low. I mean, like, think about this as like, you know, kind of like Uber for mock interviews or technical interviews. And uh, obviously, you, if, if you really need to make this a valuable business, you need to be like performing like hundreds of thousands of interviews a day or a month. And we were like hardly doing like 10 interviews a quarter. So, so <laughs> and there, were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, different issues and challenges. But then like, you know, our core thesis of like, hey, we want to showcase skills, like, that was there in the core ethos of, of me and Hari, my co-founder as well. And so the hacking rank started with, which is like, hey, why don't we, why don't we do it on the other side? Um, we can still read in the same ethos, but let's actually build a product that can help companies identify these developers. Let's give the companies an ability or an aid to, to do this as opposed to, um, uh, as opposed to doing it through mock interviews. That's what got, got us started with HackerRank. And uh, yeah, so far, it's, it's been amazing to see the growth and uh, the, the change that we've been able to make. So let's dive in a little bit about how it does the evaluation, because you're a software engineer yourself. I'd love to hear how you solve this problem. So if I code, there's a problem set, and I go and code a solution to demonstrate my skills. How does that get evaluated? Does the Because you can't rely on, I mean, I'm certainly assuming, you can't rely on the recruiter or the company to then do like a code review because that would take forever. I can't review all this code. So I'm assuming you have an algorithmic way of some sort or AI based methodology that says this is the stack rank or this is the hacker rank of these developers based on this. I'd love to hear how you, how you do that. So the way we think about it is firstly, it is, it is, it is a signal you know, I, I am a firm, as much as I'm a developer and we, we focus on developers and things on those lines, the whole idea of AI will automate everything and things on those lines is, 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 is a little hard to believe in the sense that yeah. I believe you can get a lot of signals from AI on the hard skills, but on the soft skills, I still will not rely on an AI to, to help me do that. I need to talk to you. I need to get a sense of um, how is it to work with you and things on those lines to go ahead and do it. So. So think about 
the areas that we focus on on hard hard skills, hard technical skills, and like you know, we make sure that we can actually give you signals, which is a pretty high signal. I mean, that's why like you know, we're in business and others that can help you determine where what what level of seniority, what kind of proficiency does this developer actually um, uh, does the developer exhibit. And here's the interesting part. As much as our name is Hackerized, I don't believe that there is like a global global ranking of developers. Like I okay. don't think there is like a Java number one or C plus plus number one. I would think of this as like, you know, what is the right fit to your organization? And because each company can optimize for different things. Like, for example, let's say an engineer that you're trying to hire, a backend engineer you're trying to hire at Google, Google has a way of uh, disproportionately focusing on your core algorithm and data structure sort of skills more than actually like the language and technologies that you've learned. I mean, like they focus on both, but like they have a higher proportion focus on the core algorithm and data structures, as opposed to a backend engineer at a startup that's actually coming up. Sure, I do need you to know the basic fundamentals of data structures and algorithms, but I'm more interested in we're we're building on Go. Do you have capabilities on Go? If you don't have, like, you know, I'm probably not going to like try to invest in you, unlike Google who would try to invest in you because I need to move things quickly. So I think like every company has their own version of uh, what areas that they're going to like attach a higher weight or a focus. So the way the product works is we give them a template. We give everybody a template to say, hey, for this role, these are the skills. You can determine like, you know, what proportion or things that you would like to have. And we also give a template on that as well. Like, you know, here's the best practice to, for you to go ahead and do it. And then we create assessments where if you write the code um, as a developer for the particular assessments, we run the code against a bunch of different test scenarios. Um, like, um, if you were to like, okay, go ahead and build a news feed, um, you know, we, we, would, we wouldn't necessarily evaluate your UI, like how aesthetically pleasing and things of those lines. That comes a little bit on the soft skills, but we will evaluate on, hey, if 100 people do it simultaneously, is this going to load quickly? If 1,000, what about 10,000? What about 100,000? So then like you start to understand like the scale competence. There are certain competence that you can actually measure in an automated way that can give you a good signal as to how proficient is this person on the skill. So now when you send an assessment and then like as a hiring manager, instead of looking at a resume, now you get like a sort of like a candidate scorecard, almost so to speak, which lists down here are the skills and here is where this person falls under different proficiency levels. That's way, way more powerful for you to continue with the interview process. So that's how, that's how it works and it's automated. No, this is fascinating. How or what are some of the things that you are seeing? Because you, um, you have a unique seat, I would say. The, you have a unique seat of seeing how some of the biggest companies in the world, which hard skills are really in demand. What skills are you seeing that are really in demand that just there's not, doesn't seem to be enough people that are proficient at it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think at a high level, there's always like there's a supply demand asymmetry that, that happens in, in, in kind of like all forms of engineers. I mean, every company is hiring developers, like every company is hiring developers. It's almost this whole notion of um, every company is fundamentally a software company and um, yeah. you are constantly hiring developers to, to, to make it work. There's always going to be like a higher level of demand more than the supply can, can yield to it. But that said, I think one of the big things that we're trying to shift the perspective of people and the perspective of the world is, hey, how do we make sure that if you're going to continue to look at the same set of 10 schools and, and 20 companies, of course, your supply is going to be constrained because like that school produces X number of graduates, which has just been like pretty much fixed for the last whatever 10 years or so, or maybe marginal improvements. 
So unless and otherwise you open up the aperture to a slightly larger pool, you're always going to be supply constrained. So one of the things that we try to kind of like enable companies and help them to do it is like, how do you open the aperture beyond the sort of narrow view that you've been trying to recruit and across the board? And this is not just for a front-end engineer or data science or DevOps. This is like kind of like across the board to do it. So that's, that tries to ease up a little bit of the uh, supply demand dissonance that you actually see. The bigger trend that we're starting to see, and this has happened obviously in the last three to four months, is the whole notion of people going to remote first. I don't know if that was your next question, but that has like kind of completely destroyed any kind of barriers that, that people used to have, which is like, oh, um, you know, I need to hire people within 15 miles of radius. Otherwise, they will complain about traffic and they will quit. Okay. I mean, like, you know, this is like, you know, the common thing. But now I'm actually open to hiring people across America, if not like across the world uh, to do it. I think it's slowly starting, starting to shift. I'm okay to go with, with the same time zone. Like I'm in California, I can hire people in Seattle, LA. And then it started to shift to like, you know what? I'm actually good to hire like people across, across America. And then like now it's starting to shift to like, you know, I'm actually open for certain positions. I'm actually open like, you know, rest of the world as well. So that, that's, uh, that's like a big shift as well that I believe will also play a huge part in evening out the supply and demand asymmetry. One of the things I was curious about for you is, you know, you talked about this asymmetry in developers, and this was, this is something that I'm really fascinated about. How does HyperRank continue to be a leader in evaluating new and emerging technologies? Because, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be something coming out. I mean, I think that's a guarantee. Like that's the one thing that's true about development languages. There's going to be something coming out. Methodologies are going to come out that don't exist today that you might not have any index of. How will you be the arbiter or the, how will you build into HackerRank the ability to rank people on these new skills that maybe there's not a high density of? I'm curious how your, what's your approach to that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think one advantage that we have is the fact that we work with, we, we, we have this little bit of like the two-sided marketplace kind of a thing where you work with like developers as well as companies. And even within companies, we work with like sort of all the fast-growing companies and startups, as well as like large technology companies like Facebook, Amazon, uh, Google, and others. So it almost is a little bit um, organic, I would say, where you just like get developers asking, hey, what happened to this? Like, you know, when, when is this language compiler going to be updated? Like, you know, we're assessing for this particular role. Like, you know, go ahead and uh, can, can, you, can you folks help us evaluate this? So there's almost like this constant notion of like, continuing to get the push from the market on evolving into new technologies, new languages, uh, which sort of like has organically happened and we just respond to the market. So we, uh, that's a little bit of an advantage, advantages position that we are in. So tell me about how, because it's listed on your site a couple of times. How is AI, I guess, assisting you in this process? Uh, it sounds like it's got to be part of it because you're, like you said, you have a bit of an advantage. You know where the marketplace is shifting so you can start developing towards it. What signals, I guess, are you looking for um, when it comes to evaluating new technologies, better ranking the applicants? I'm curious how you're deploying AI to, to help you solve these problems. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to be uh, obviously like, careful um, in terms of AI. I think it's, um, it's a little bit like if you already have a bias process, AI is just going to enhance your bias. Okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's like, uh, yeah, people, people think of this as a little bit of... Uh, uh, a magic pill to come and solve all my unconscious bias and diversity issues and things on those lines. AI 
AI, the state of AI mostly, um, as, as it's right now, at least in recruiting, is more of kind of automating your existing workflows and just like making you more productive um, to, to do your job at the highest level. But it's not at this point of where like, you know, it can solve like your know, deeper, deeper rooted issues, like what you, what you might have within, within your organization. Specifically for HackerRank, the way we think about uh, we think about this is to predict kind of the fit of a person. And again, we were very careful in terms of making sure that it's only a signal and not a, um, hey, don't try to just like filter out people based on this, but like use this as an important signal in your hiring process. For example, if you have assessed over a thousand people on our platform and hired, let's say 50 of them uh, based on like different skills, the thousand and one candidate who's coming we can have like some version of a lookalike in terms of skills that can actually help you determine, okay, do I need to fast track this candidate through the interview process? Do I need to slow down? Like, what do I need to actually do to make this happen? There is a little bit of prediction that, that we're, starting to, we're starting to see and implement. So those are, those are like the areas. And also we're thinking like, hey, vice versa, which we have not yet done, but like, obviously it's, it's on our roadmap and things. Hey, if you want to get a job as a front-end engineer at Atlassian, here's where you are and here's where you need to be. Let me tell you how you can actually go ahead and get there. So that's also that's also a little bit in play that can help us uh, that that we're thinking of as well. I'm curious also, do you know, do people assess for skills only at the developer level or senior software engineer level? Do people look for managers through HackerRank? Do they look for C-suite, CIOs, CTOs through HackerRank? I'm curious what level of position that you're seeing people search for through your, through your platform. Yeah, it, it is mostly, I would say, concentrated mostly on individual contributors and maybe manager level one. Um, I think the, the higher the le- uh, level that you go, that you climb in the, in the ladder in engineering, and maybe like even in other orgs, the more more of your people skills and ability to go ahead and manage and build a team is valued at a at a higher weight than how strong of a developer you are. So I mean, to put it another way, like the VP of engineering is unlikely to be the strongest developer in your organization, yeah. but like should be like the strongest and the best people manager, so to speak. So and that's why like the soft skills come into play. So I would say like heavy, heavy use in sort of individual contributors up to like maybe manager level one and then like starts to like taper off. And, and I say taper off and not zero because there are exceptions, uh, which means that there are certain companies who actually expect like engineering managers and manager level twos and stuff like, I need you to code. Like sometimes you need to contribute. Sometimes you need to do code reviews as well. It's not just like about people managers. So I, I need you to evaluate, uh, I need to evaluate you on those skills. So that's, that's, Although that's a minority, the bulk of it is, I would say, like early talent all the way to like, you know, six, seven years of work experience, um, so to speak. No, that's fascinating stuff. And then, you know, part of part of me also, when understanding, learning about HackerRank, talk a little bit about your your personal background, your skills. What were you skilled at that allowed you to maybe build, you, you know, what were your personal skills that you thought were really a strength that caused you to say, hey, Let's do this hacker rank thing. And also, what did you principally work on? What were you, I'm assuming, because you were a software engineer before, I'm assuming you were hands on the keyboard, banging out code to build this platform. What were you focused on when it was first getting started? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is probably a true story for, or a story that will resonate for most first-time entrepreneurs or founders. It is 
it was really like, hey, we don't have anything to lose. Let's <laughs> go ahead and try this out and see where it goes. If it works out great, if it does not, we'll go back to our jobs at Amazon or Google or something else and start to be a developer. So it, it really was like a very sort of harmless, um, small idea. Like, you know, me and Hari, I know the guy for now over 15 years. Like we've done a bunch of projects together in college. We've like uh, started Linux clubs and society and things on those lines back in, uh, back in our college. So it was more as an extension. Hey, that's, let's try this out and see, see where it goes kind of a thing. And, um, and then like you start to get your first milestone, your second milestone and things on those lines. And you continue to like evolve into something larger. And there's of course the category two um, kind of companies, which interestingly are the ones that are actually have like outlier kind of outcomes, which is like, I have an absolutely clear vision of this is what the world needs to look like. And I'm going to go all in and try to figure out how to actually get this working. For example, it's Tesla or SpaceX and, and other examples of companies. I would say we were more in the category one of like, hey, this sounds cool. Let's try to do it. And now slowly moving into sort of like what I would call as category two. It's like, okay, now let's, what, what, what is it? I mean, the vision that I just like uh, outlined to you is like the developer lifecycle management of like, how do you continue to build a product? spanning across the entire life cycle that's synergistic as well. So it's not like independent disparate products to do it. Um, so that's how, that's how we got started. And it, it's more like sort of acquired skills year over year. You just need to continue to grow. And the best way to think about it is like you look back uh, at your previous year and if you're embarrassed, then that's good. Okay, you've actually learned <laughs> something. If you're not, then you're probably stagnating. And I'm embarrassed like, like nobody in every year when I look back at, my God, did I really say that? Did I really do that in the meeting and stuff? <laughs> No, I love the uh, I love the the vulnerability you're sharing about you know being embarrassed about your old code when you were first getting going because one of the things I when I learned about Hacker Rank I started comparing it to because that's the natural thing to do I think when you hear about products and services is you compare it to something that you're somewhat familiar with uh, you know Dropbox is famously compared to a USB drive people are like why did they <laughs> this doesn't matter you know what I mean I have a USB drive who cares. Um, when you were first getting started, because like I'm trying to envision what someone heard when you're saying there's going to be a way to evaluate applicants and candidates, were you concerned about communities like you know Stack Overflow or when GitHub forums where more people were there communicating, showing code? Were you concerned at all that these platforms of developers were just going to build what you were going to build, or was it what you were kind of alluding to, like you were just checking things out, testing it, so it wasn't because it wasn't really a I don't want to, you know, demean what your vision was, but you had mentioned earlier that it was just like something you were trying out. Basically, I'm curious, like, did those platforms or networks of developers intimidate you in any way? Or were you always saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to build it this way and this is my unique angle. So it's not really, not really a comparison. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we were necessarily, um, I would actually think of, or at least we thought of it as more of in the, positive aspect which is like wow like developer community companies are just on fire and being like valued at a tremendous multiple and category creators that whether that is stack overflow or github or stripe or twilio and it's it's a good sort of tailwind that we're having that it's, it's a good it's a good market to play in gotcha I didn't think of them as more of competitors, but more like, hey, and every developer community has a certain, serves a certain purpose. Stack Overflow is mostly on Q&A and GitHub is mostly on sort of writing code and collaboration. Um, so every, everyone had its own purpose. 
but I, I was thinking more from a category of this is um, this is a good place for us to for us to be in. Gotcha. So you were kind of focused on that niche of that recruiting side. Where do you think the next five years are going to take Hacker Rank? Because you mentioned before, and I think we all agree, every company is a software company now. Every company has a user interface, a digital user interface, even like you know, lamp companies. I'm looking at a lamp right now, right? They're inventing smart lamps where it integrates to your app. So they're going to need the software developers. Where do you see Hacker Rank in regards to like the next five years? And do you envision like a big, hairy, audacious goal where every company who hires developers, which is going to be every company on earth, is going to start evaluations through your tool? Yeah, I think, I think it, and fundamentally, yeah. Every, I mean, it's almost um, like what are you saying? A lamp company, a lamp, a restaurant, uh, fitness. I mean, you just like take anything around you. Like who thought like home, home gyms is going to be like a, I don't know what Peloton is worth, like 40 billion, 50 billion. They're a great customer of ours. I mean, like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> who thought that it, it, it's, it's going to be worth like, I mean, like think about it, it's worth $40 billion and, and it's just like one company. So think about the, the market value of the whole category uh, on that. And it's at, at its core is a technology company. So I mean, at some level, whether it's a car or the lamp or like the uh, restaurants or anything, like every industry is going to be fundamentally transformed by, by technology. And you just don't have a choice but to transform. Otherwise, you're just going to be eaten away. And even if you take the example of, uh, of the car, auto, automobile industry, yes, I think there was technology, you know, across the board, but I would call this a little bit of like a baby technology across, the, across, across different car companies. But I think like Tesla is just like setting the standards and every company is now like they're hiring like thousands of developers, um, which has never happened in the last five years to completely transform their internal organization, everything to fundamentally operate like a technology company to do it. So it's almost like you, you just don't have a choice. And, and then the question comes down to, okay, so how do you make sure that you're hiring the right kind of developers? What is the right fit? Where do you find them? and uh, all the details and analysis and stats about this, that all, um, you know, and we want to be the defining authority and platform to, to go ahead and make that happen. There you go. I love it. All right, Vivek, it is time. Do you know what time it's for? Yeah, what is it? It's time for the lightning. <laughs> it's time for the lightning round. Okay, go for it. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Vivek, this is where we ask you some questions, fast questions, to let people learn more about you outside of your role as CEO of HackerRank. All right? Let's do it. You ready? Yep. Okay. So some of it's going to be related to HackerRank, but it's okay. Um, but what is your favorite part of the hiring process? The high that you get when you, when you talk to a great candidate, it's, it's just amazing. How long before when you got started, finally, were you able to tell your mom and dad, like, hey, we're going to be a successful company? I I have still not told them. Um, I think it's it's more like um, it's more like I, I just love this journey and I just like uh, and I see a big vision in front of me. So we're just going to continue to go. And uh, but but yes, when when you do when, when you do get like some press coverage and things of those lines, it makes uh, it makes whatever you're doing more real to, to your parents. So that that definitely helps. So one of the things we always talk about with a lot of uh, immigrant developers is that their moms and dads, when they have big time jobs at AWS and Google, they're always like, why are you leaving? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did that happen to you? Of course. Of course. Yes. I mean, Amazon is like the most coveted job that, that you could think of. Uh, but it's, it's a very luxurious job. Like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Amazon, when I was working, and this was 10 years ago, 
in India, and I'm pretty sure they're doing the same thing right now. They used to send a chauffeur-driven cab to your house to pick you up and go ahead and drop <laughs> you at the work. And, and they also had the same cab to, when you were returning back. You could pick the time. You could, you could do whatever you want um, to go ahead and, um, you know, you can use the cab service in, in, in the way that you would like to. I mean, just think about it. And you were, of course, like pay, getting paid handsomely. The stock was rising and things on those lines. And here, here's this guy who's like saying, I'm going to like quit and start some mock interview related service. Of course, it, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of an interesting dialogue or conversation back home. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're, listen, I know you haven't told them that you're going to be successful yet, but I feel like they're, they know, they know that you're on the road. <laughs> Definitely. At least they know that, Hey, this is, this is the kind of, um, this is the path this guy's going to take anyway. So I'm, I might as well just like support. And it was amazing to see like signing up Amazon as a customer, right? I mean, that's, that was another sort of like a high moment, at least for me to get them to use our product and continue to standardize the hiding process on skills as well. What's your favorite type of project to work on? New products, revolutionary new ideas, new products. Do you still code? Baby code, nothing on Hacker Eye. I'm terrified <laughs> of like um, making a service go down or something. <laughs> Do you understand the code of Hacker Rank anymore? I mean, like to phrase it differently, if, if there's a bug and you ask me to fix it, I, I don't think I will be able to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do outside of work for fun? I mean, right now there is no outside of work. Uh, we're, <laughs> obviously, we're not going out anywhere. But otherwise, like I, I love watching movies in, in an altered world. And maybe it might still happen. Like I would have loved to be a filmmaker as well. So that's, that's, that's the part outside of work. Gotcha. What's your favorite movie? A lot of them, um, maybe just at a high level, I would say like I love most of David Fincher, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, mo- mo- most of their movies are, are my favorites. And some, some Quentin, almost like all, not all of them, of Quentin Tarantino movies are all my favorites. Okay, that's good. And what is your best advice for someone who's sitting there right now? They're at Amazon, they're at Google, they're one of the big software companies and they're thinking about doing their own thing. What would you say to them to give them that motivation? Yeah, do it because you are passionate about the problem and not because you, you are drawn into the glamour of the startup world. There's a huge amount of survivorship bias. We only talk about Steve Jobs and Drew Houston and Airbnbs of the world because that's what the press likes to talk about. But for every Airbnb, there are like 1,000 other companies that, that have failed. And uh, startup is just an absolute grind. It just... It, it's, it's actually the hardest mental battle that I've ever, ever faced so far. And the only thing that's actually keeping me going is, is because like the passion for the idea or the vision and things. So if you, if you lose that, then you, it, it's a very valid question as to, hey, you don't have the passion. You're just like, going through this grind. Like, why are you even putting yourself through it? So start it because you are really passionate about solving the problem uh, versus being a CEO or whatever, being a founder and getting, getting covered on TechCrunch or whatever is, um, <laughs> sounds glamorous. That's, that's the wrong, wrong reason to do it. Yeah. Let's paint a picture. How unglamorous was it when you were first starting? How many hours a day were you fingers on the keyboard building hacker rank? I mean, I still work six days a week, 16 hours a day, sort of a thing. Uh, but, but I don't view this as a, uh, I mean, there are of course parts of the job which are like complete, like, oh my God, like this, I, it's just grunt work. I need to continue to go ahead and do it and make it work. But I think the reason why there is a level of sustenance that I've been able to have is A, because of my co-founder and the team, I would say, and B, because of the sort of the vision and the passion for the product and things that were evolving. Otherwise, it's just very, very hard to sustain this level of um, continuous work um, across six days a week. Well, listen, 
Vivek, I appreciate you sharing what HackerRank's doing. I believe that this is one of the transformative platforms out there. The ability to evaluate developers is never, like you said, today is the, if we measure time from this day forward, today is actually, there's probably the least demand for developers right now. Like tomorrow, there's going to be more. And then next day, there's going to be more. And then the next month, there's going to be more. So like you were actually at your, (laughs) from this point forward in the future, today's your smallest, you know, total addressable market, which is insane to think about. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it continues to grow. The number of developers are going to continue to continue to increase in the world. Vivek, thank you for joining us on our show today. Uh, For all you CIOs, CTOs, VPs of engineering, whatever whatever your role, if you're looking for developers, which I'm assuming you are, check out HackerRank. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Vivek. Thank you for being on the show. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.